Michael, this is all very confusing. Investing is more sophisticated than ever, and there has been more wealth created through professional investment management in the past 10 years than ever before. However, confidence in wealth management has plummeted. Looking at the success of do-it-yourself apps like Robinhood and Betterment, the evidence begins to pile up. This phenomenon isn't restricted to wealth management, however. Today, we're going to talk a bit about why this has happened and try to figure out why expectations on specialized professions are out of control. I'm Remy Bartolotta, and this is On Markets, presented by Darwin Wealth Management and Darwin Asset Management. With me today, I have Chief Investment Officer, Michael Sorrentino. If you have any questions, comments, or just want to shout out on the show, email comments at onmarkets.com or hit me up directly at remy at onmarkets.com. And if you like our show, please hit the follow button on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. So in our last episode, we talked about making emotional decisions over logical choices, and we centered our discussion around NBA legend Wilt Chamberlain. In our research for that episode, however, we came upon another great story about a facility in New Jersey called the Replay Center. It's where plays are reviewed in real time during live games to be sure that the referees get the calls right. Here, there are over 100 screens showing various angles of every single play from every game and professional basketball referees watching each one. If a referee in a game is unsure or doesn't have a good view of a play, he can call for an opinion from the referees in New Jersey at the replay center and have them review the play. This has resulted in substantially more correct calls than ever before. But reaction to referees is the worst it's ever been. More fans being removed from venues for bad behavior. And not just from fans. There are more unsportsmanlike calls against players than ever before and more focus from sportscasters on bad calls and poor officiating. So officiating is better than it's ever been, but the popular opinion is just the opposite. This isn't specific to basketball. It's true of just about every televised sport out there right now. And it's true of other industries as well, such as medicine, law enforcement, and of course, wealth management. So Tino, the question here is why is this happening? Ooh, that's a tough one. I think there's a couple things going on here, right? Uh, I would say one of them is that psychologically speaking, you take something away from people and they want it more, right? I mean, there's a part of human nature where we want to focus on the bad and the negative, right? So if, if processes get better and better over time, whatever it might be, whether it's officiating or money management, whatever it might be, it seems to me like you're taking something away from people. You know, you're taking the, away that ability to, to get upset about something. And I think you're seeing a lot of that across various industries. I mean, I, I've got th- two small girls now. I stopped watching sports like five years ago. But I do remember the time when I actually watched sports. And I remember a big part of the game, right? I mean, Remy, you're a big NFL fan. You know, when a bad call was made, you lose your mind, right? You freak out of the TV and totally right, and you take that away. You make the game or the the experience so perfect. You know, the refereeing has gotten better. There's instant replay, all these different things. So that drama is being taken away from you. So what do you do? You create drama when it's taken away. It's funny. This is going to sound like a, an odd thing to say, but I remember when I was in high school, I played soccer, and when I first started playing soccer as a kid, you didn't have to wear shin guards, right? But as I got older. Uh, shin guards, you know, became mandatory, and and I hated wearing them. You know, I had started my my soccer career as a little kid without shin guards. I grew up with no shin guards, and all of a sudden, I had to wear shin guards. And you know, I, I get the value of them, obviously, but they were so cumbersome and so heavy, and I just I felt uncomfortable wearing them. So I used to find like the 
thinnest shin guards I could find. They were like basically like a piece of cloth that went over my shin, you know, just so that way I could show the ref, yes, I have them on, but they didn't sort of hinder my play. And at that time, anyways, live by this sort of motto that the sort of less is more, right? You know, it's less of a shin guard, it's more for me. But in this situation, it's almost like the exact opposite has happened, right? It, it's more is less, right? The more information that has gotten out there, the less confident people feel, right? And I don't know if that's because with that information, I think people feel more empowered or like they have more knowledge about, about what's going on. And, you know, I don't know that I would agree that that's true. They have little bits of information that make them feel like they're more knowledgeable about going, what's going on. But, you know, because they have these little bits of information, I think they feel like they're a little bit more justified in sort of making decisions or having an opinion in regards to, you know, whatever it may be, whether it's a football game or a basketball game or, you know, investing or whatever. And that causes them to sort of scrutinize every single decision that professionals make. Well, I mean, with the internet and technology access to information right now, I think we joked around a couple shows ago about how you know a lot of people that were virology experts overnight became geopolitical experts, right? It's because you have access to all this information, right? You can learn about what COVID nineteen is, and then twelve days later, learn everything about what's going on between Russia and Ukraine in the last hundred fifty years. Uh, I mean, go to our business for a second. You know, I worked on the sell side for institutional investors many years ago, and. This is before my time, but before 2000, you know, some of the quote-unquote old-timers, when I started in the business, they were telling me about days back when you couldn't just go up to the internet and pull down a research report on a company. Those reports that, that were being generated from our firm at the time, well, what do we do? We said, okay, who's paying us the most money right now? What clients are paying us the most money when those are the ones that got the first facts of the day, right? So information was very important you know, pre-reg FD, which is the regulations that happened in the early 2000s that basically required companies to disseminate information all at the same time. Before that, information was incredibly valuable and how you got it mattered. Today, it's a paradox. Today, everybody legally has to get all the information at the same time. And because of it, it's an avalanche of information. Like, How do you sift through all this stuff? That's another conversation to a certain degree. But if you think about what we're talking about here is that it's all out there. Right, you can become smarter on a lot of different subjects out there, but it's all relative, right? If everybody else is now smarter about something, then you got to be smarter than them, right? So, how do you get that edge? It, the game has changed quite a bit, but you're right. I think that's created that foundational element now where people think that they're an expert on everything. So, there's a pretty common saying out there: information is power, right? But I don't know. I don't know that I, I agree with that in this particular circumstance. I think information is detrimental. Do you think we should sort of dial it back a little bit and you know, go back to the dark ages of, uh, I don't know what, 1990s, <laughs> where, where we didn't have information at our fingertips? Well, I think, uh, look, as a money manager, there's no law prohibiting me from creating a fake website or a website with phony information, falsify charts and say, this is why I think the world is going to end or why the dollar is going to crash or why gold is everything. There's really nothing that prohibits me from doing that as, a, as an average Joe person. So you know, think about all the information out there that's wrong. I mean, I want to call it fake news. I don't want to get political, but at the same time, there's just a lot of garbage out there, right? So I do think that information on its own is not good enough. You know, you can't just sit there and and say, okay, I've read a, I read a research report on Facebook or whatever company you're, you, you want to invest in and say, okay, I've, I've got all the information I need. 
it's it's finding the trusted resources, but at the same time, like if you're going to consider information to be an edge, you got to be doing something that nobody else knows about or very few people know about. And again, in this business, when you start trading on information that not everybody else has, you got to be really, really careful. Otherwise, the regulators are going to take notice. So what do you think about better technologies? I mean, it's not just information, right? It's better tech. Um, I mentioned in the intro, you know, Robinhood, Betterment, and you know, apps like that. Do you think this is sort of causing some of what we're seeing as well? I think technology is a huge component of it. I mean, technology has changed everything. It's democratized in many ways, but it's also uh, a huge deflationary force in many ways too. I mean, let's use Twitter as an example, okay? So Twitter has basically made traditional old school news reporting obsolete. Yeah, Your Channel 7 or Channel 5 news or whatever it might be has no shot at reporting information faster than Twitter. Okay, so Twitter, you could be anyone in the world, tweet, hey, this bad thing is happening or this good thing is happening. And there's no way the traditional media sources can keep up, right? So you do definitely have a, an impact of technology here where the speed or the latency of information getting to people has been cut down to fractions of a second. The challenge, though, is saying, okay, what information is good, what information is bad, because that's going to inform decisions. Like you said yourself earlier, you've, if you think everybody's on Monday morning quarterback or whatever the phrase is, right? Well, you don't need to wait till Monday morning anymore. It's instantaneous, right? All that information, those replays and everything are on the screen while you're watching the game. You've got five different screens and one TV screen, right? So all that information is hitting you. It definitely has changed the game. So as it relates to asset management, right? Uh, you know, looking at the market, sort of assessing what your portfolio uh, looks like today, assessing what the market is doing and sort of where it's going to go and then making a decision. With the introduction of current technology and information, you've got the everyday average Joe able to you know, sign up for a TD Ameritrade account or whatever it happens to be. They can go deposit their money. They can start trading or investing immediately and they can see what's going on in regards to market performance immediately. But this is only a, a fraction of the information you really need to know in order to have a sound financial plan and really understand whether or not you should be holding a particular position, selling out of a particular position, whether or not you're invested in a, a sound company that you know has the potential to grow and expand and essentially you know, put some good out in the world, or whether you're invested in a firm that you know is a fly-by-night, you know, overnight success that you know somebody's going to pocket the cash and disappear the next day, right? You don't have a lot of this information, or or you may be able to get it, but the average person doesn't know how to get it, and even if they did get it, they don't know how to apply it to the decisions they're making, right? So as it relates to asset management or money management, is this a detriment? Is this something that is essentially causing problems that don't need to exist? Well, I think it's changing problems, right? So many years ago, the problem was, like I said, getting access to information. Markets were simpler back then, right? A little bit of information could go a long way. Today, technology has democratized access to information, which is good. I think we all can agree that's probably a good thing. The challenge, though, is that it's also that same technology in many ways has made markets way, way, way more sophisticated and, and harder to navigate in so many different ways. I mean, you've got... Now we we use algorithms here that have artificial intelligence using neural networks and and all these different fancy uh, words. So it's up the game in that respect. So to sit there and say that 
you could do like that old Benjamin Graham thing where you just sit in your room and you study stock, you know, balance sheets and, and P&Ls and try to figure out where a company is headed. I think those days are kind of done. I mean, you know, we have a team of people. We use third-party uh, resources and expert networks and all this information that's out there. We're trying to aggregate it together. It's really, really hard to do on your own. So I think the paradox here to a certain degree is that that information's out there for most people to ascertain, but to digest it, uh, it takes a very large team of people to do that. And it's not a plug necessarily for financial services. It's just that, take a step back. Think about how easy, quote unquote, easy it was to invest in the stock market over the last call 12 years before 2022. All right, markets just kept going up. All right, so everybody felt like a genius. I read this research report on Google and it went up. Well, okay, but is it because you read the research report? I mean, was your information the reason why it went up? It's, there's a lot going on, but it, all that stuff was masked because the market just kept going up. Stocks kept going up for years and years and years. Well, active management, for example, active asset allocation, however you want to look at it, you know, your value, the true value over time is not during up markets, but it's during down markets to a certain degree. Uh, now, this is a unique down market because everything's down this year. But for all intents and purposes, it does create a false sense of confidence. And I think that's the risk going forward is thinking that, oh, okay, I got this. You know, All I need to do is pull up the Wall Street Journal every morning, read that, and I'm good to go. But again, like I said earlier, the problem with that is that everybody else has the access to the exact same information. So unless you could act on that information before everybody else does, it's almost worthless. And that's the challenge. And it's not just acting on the information. You need to know what to do with it. Yeah. You know, reading the Wall Street Journal or whatever it is that you can read every single morning. I mean, that's not really information that you can apply, or at least the average person can apply to a, uh, an investment decision, other than to say, uh, you know, <laughs> what's that mad money guy? Uh, Jim Cramer. Uh, <laughs> you know, he says to buy something. Oh, I guess I should just go buy something. Right. I mean, that's not really applying knowledge, that's just following instruction. Yeah, it's one stock. Or you want to buy or sell, that's fine. But then how do you size that in a, in a larger portfolio? How much of your portfolio is going to go into that position? How long are you going to hold it? Are you running some type of an analysis to make sure that your interest rate risk in your overall portfolio isn't spiking? Or if you have too much concentration in other factors that you may need to worry about? Like All these different things that are going on, which no human mind, it doesn't matter who you are. I mean, you could be Warren Buffett or... or you know, Bill Ackman, one of these great hedge fund managers, uh, no human eye can pick this stuff up. So now you got to think about, okay, let's go back to technology. What kind of systems have you put into place to make sure that you do have those checks and balances in place? It's just a really, really difficult job these days to manage money relative to what it was two, three decades ago. But like you said at the very beginning, even the tiniest little mistakes these days do seem to be massively, massively amplified in terms of reactions from investors. Yeah, no doubt. So Tino, as it relates to the lack of confidence in a world where information is at our fingertips, where technology is better than ever, what's the bottom line? I'd say the bottom line is that uh, I don't know of any industry where technology has slowed down, and I don't think it's going to be in the realm or the, call it the sector of information. So if technology continues to increase the speed and the quality of the information that we get over time, then I got to think that the correlation or maybe the inverse correlation to the reaction towards negativity, no matter how small it might be on a relative basis, is also going to increase. So if that's the case, then these outsized reactions going forward are going to become more outsized over time. And I would say as an investor, 
I think the trick or maybe the key to success no longer will be how much information do I have is, but rather how am I going to react to that information or to those investors around me? And I think that's going to be key going forward is keeping a, a more moderate, a moderate approach to how you react to information, not necessarily how you consume it. This podcast is created and presented by Darwin Asset Management LLC and Darwin Advisors LLC, collectively referred to as Darwin. Darwin does not make any representation or warranties and therefore takes no responsibility as to the accuracy, timeliness, suitability, completeness, or relevance of any information contained in this podcast. Any tax or legal information contained in this podcast is general in nature. Always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. The information presented does not involve the rendering of personalized investment advice. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk, and there could be no assurance that any investment or strategy will be suitable or profitable for a client's portfolio. All investment strategies have the potential for profit and loss. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Information presented is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of any offer to buy or sell the securities mentioned herein.